Hello, hello, hello. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the All In Man Cave podcast with your host, me, Cole Haight. Hot day today. Hope everybody's staying cool. We're going to be doing some news and notes from around the sports world, including the NFL and the Olympics, uh, as well as our next episode of the divisional breakdowns. We're going to be doing the AFC West today. So let's get right into it. As entertaining as it's been uh, with this Aaron Rodgers saga with the Green Bay Packers and what he's done through this entire offseason, which I kind of thank him for, which made the NFL offseason a little bit more entertaining, there is more news on Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron has decided to show up to Green Bay via the NFL to my phone yesterday. He arrived in Green Bay, uploaded a picture of him in a the office themed t-shirt with his cool sunglasses and his slicked back hair uh you guys know i'm a huge vikings fan so anything that has to do with aaron Rodgers in a positive light i would not like because i dislike aaron Rodgers. but that's for a story for another day um he showed up he's he's gonna be there they're talking about restructuring his deal so that he could have one last shot uh there was a of an upload to Instagram with him and Devontae Adams from The Last Dance saying, like, this is the last time, the last offer. Devontae Adams did not want to continue a contract extension talks with the Green Bay Packers. So they're, they're going to probably end up coming back. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to end up playing this season with the Green Bay Packers. So anybody who thought that he was going to Denver or Miami or any other speculative team that you could come up with, he's probably going to end up playing with the Green Bay Packers this season. He will end up not going anywhere else, unfortunately for me, being in the NFC North. So Aaron Rodgers, I don't understand what his angle is. So he decided to come out publicly and almost passive-aggressively about the organization. He decided to not go to mandatory training camp or mandatory, sorry, mandatory mini camp. And then he's just going to show up and play. There was a lot of subtleties. There was a lot of things that were pointing towards he wanted to be traded. I didn't see, honestly, as much as I wanted to see him leave, I didn't see it happening based on the way the contract set up, based on the leverage that he had against them, which was almost nothing. But Aaron's got to figure it out. It's got to be a publicity stunt. I listened to the Pat McAfee show. Uh, AJ Hawk, one of his good friends, is is one of the people on that on the Pat McAfee show regularly, and I feel like AJ Hawk knew exactly what was what was going on the whole time. He didn't want to divulge it because that's what Aaron wanted. It, it just seems like he's being an attention getter at this point. Like this was a, a publicity stunt for attention, and I just don't understand. Like, there's no possible way. That me as a person, would I not show up to get $37 million? $37 million is what he's going to be paid this season. That's more than $2 million a game. That's outrageous. If you don't show up for that, you must be Jeff Bezos and you have $15 billion. Because there is no more motivation that I can think of is to play football, even though you don't like where you're playing, for $2 million a game. 
I know I just said that a million times, but I'm trying to comprehend it myself as to how I would not play football for a team I did not want to play for if I would lose $2 million a game. It's absolutely ridiculous. So what angle did Aaron have in this entire process? His angle was to see if he could get the Green Bay Packers to bite the same way Brett Favre made them bite when he threatened retirement. He that, that was his angle. He wanted to try and do exactly what he witnessed when he was drafted there and sat for two, three years. He wanted to try and pull the same thing. And it didn't work. The Green Bay Packers did not bite. There, It seems that what has been going on with him has caused his teammates to come out in a similar fashion per Devontae Adams, per Zadarius Smith. It, it's it, they're all Everybody is unhappy with the way Green Bay is handling contracts and handling player negotiations, basically. And that all stems down from the fact that they're publicly owned. They don't have an owner. An owner could step in and fix everything. An owner could step in and ruin everything at the same time. So it's Aaron's going to end up playing this season. Uh, he will probably get traded at the end of the season, and Devontae Adams is probably coming up with all this stuff right now because he's not going to commit to the Green Bay Packers with Jordan Love as their projected starting quarterback if Aaron really wants out and they're really going to trade him next season. But can you imagine what Green Bay would get in return for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in a trade somewhere? It doesn't even have to be to the same team. Can you imagine what they would get in return for those two players? Aaron Rodgers coming off an MVP season who's probably got at least three to five years left in the tank to be an above-average quarterback. And Devontae Adams is a top-five player that's not a quarterback in the league right now, maybe even including the quarterbacks. So we'll keep an eye on Aaron Rodgers, but this saga is seems like it's coming to an end right now, and he's going to end up playing and probably attending training camp based on the pictures that I've seen leaked via social media. So we'll keep an eye on Aaron Rodgers, but let's let's switch to Deshaun Watson. So Deshaun Watson also showed up, and he's trying to avoid fines. It seems similar to the Marshawn Lynch where I'm just here because I don't want to get fined. Deshaun Watson has been out of the news since the whole massage therapists and everything has leaked. He's been out of the news for months. It feels like years, but it's actually months. Deshaun Watson, is so I, I, you got to take this with a grain of salt and you got to come at it from both angles, right? So if I'm the Texans coming out now saying that I'm accepting calls for trades for Deshaun Watson, I'm trying to get as much as I can get for Deshaun Watson. If I'm any other team pursuing him, whether it be the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Raiders, the Broncos, I am not giving one and a half times what he's worth because none of this has even played out yet. This is still in the court system. So we have no idea what's going to happen with this, and nor have it, has anything really come out. So I, I, I'm not giving what the Texans want 
which means if if I'm not giving the Texans what they want and the Texans are saying, I want a lot, I've, I've heard things upwards of three first-round picks, a second-round pick, and a player for somebody who's now has a red flag because you can't trust him off the field. Think about it this way. So imagine you're doing a group project in high school and you get grouped in with two of your friends and one person who's a super genius. You don't have to worry about the super genius not carrying their weight. You have to worry about your friends not carrying their weight. Deshaun Watson now is a red flag that you need to worry about what he's doing off the field, in the offseason, and stuff like that based on just this one single outcome, which is extremely, it's extreme. This outcome is extreme, don't get me wrong. But now you have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about what Tom Brady does off the field. You don't have to worry about what Aaron Rodgers does off the field. These players, you can't, you don't trust that. Therefore, you will give, you won't give as much up for it. So, I, like I'm saying, any of these, like the three teams that I'm looking at right now are the Eagles, the Raiders, and the Broncos. All three of those teams can give up a quarterback that is capable of playing football and can give up draft picks for Deshaun Watson. So, that's that's the thing. I. I, I'm not willing to give the Texans what they want because now Deshaun Watson, Watson sorry, has a target on his back. And it's a red flag. And you don't want to overpay for red flag players. I know a lot of head coaches that have done that in the past. Some of them being on my own team, the Minnesota Vikings, but some of them just in the league and current ones. We'll get into some of that later, but it, you can't you can't overpay for people like that. It's similar to what's going on right now uh, for Trevor Bauer with the Dodgers organization. Like that, he's probably not going to play for the Dodgers for a decent amount of time, and I would not overpay to get him because n- now you have to worry about what happens off the field. That hurts. That hurts your team. That hurts your logo. You had a player on your team that did that, whereas you could have a player like Patrick Mahomes, great leader, great off the field, great performance which is what you want from every player that you draft in the NFC or sorry in the NFL draft and in any sport it doesn't matter all right so let's switch gears a little bit so the Olympics so everybody's into Olympic basketball met especially Olympic men's basketball I'm not a huge Olympics guy um I don't I've never really watched uh, the American Olympic team play basketball live I don't think in my entire lifetime not hardcore into the Olympics. I probably should be. I probably watched track when Usain Bolt was running for Jamaica and we had a lot of people that were that were challenging to be faster than him. But the thing is, the Olympic men's basketball team is terrible. They're awful. They lost multiple exhibition games in Las Vegas. And now they're losing group play matches to to France there's no reason and I know I understand we don't have a lot of the the players that were in the NBA this season we don't have a lot of them there due to injury due to the way they felt like the season went because it was a short off season because of covid last season but the, our team still has solid players on it but they just can't figure it out they can't play for Greg Popovich 
He's trying to instill some sort of San Antonio Spurs offense or game plan, and they just don't do it. And FIBA, outside the outside the NBA in America, overseas basketball is not even close to the same as NBA basketball. NBA basketball is soft compared to uh, worldly basketball. That's just the way it is. Foul, easy fouls aren't called. Ticky tack fouls aren't called. And they run, they run heavy screens and movement. Whereas there's more ISO, and you try and get this stuff going for these players, and the distances are different. The three point line is between college and and the NBA. Well, I'm a golfer, so like if you're telling me that all my clubs are now going different distances, I'm going to struggle. So now I've been shooting three-point shots for an entire season, and now all of a sudden that's a different length? It's going to be off, which is why their shooting is probably bad. The chemistry isn't there. They're not playing cohesively as a team. They're just all trying to score. And we're missing a crap ton of amazing players that are not there due to injury. Anthony Davis, injured, not there. LeBron James, injured, not there. Kawhi Leonard, injured, not there. There's a lot of players that are injured or hurt or somewhat banged up or just tired from a season where they didn't have a long offseason. That's why they're terrible. All right. Those are the biggest news, the biggest news and notes that I've seen. So let's just get right into it. Let's get into our AFC West divisional breakdown. So AFC West, so we've got the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chargers. We're going to start with the Chiefs. So the biggest thing that you can bring up for the Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes. Now, Patrick Mahomes has shown that he is an amazing player, like I just said in the news comparison to him. He's a great player off the field. He's a great leader, and he's an amazing player in terms of stats on the field and performance. But is he going to stay at least steady or is he going to rise? Because we really haven't seen him fall. He did in, get injured. He did injure his knee. Uh, he went on that QB sneak and injured his knee and was out for a little bit. But we've never really seen Patrick Mahomes falter in a whole season. Like, he, he's never devalued himself. He's either stayed steady or he's risen. Now, you can only rise so hard or so so tall, but... Can he stay that way? And there's certain things that happen this offseason for the Chiefs that might hurt him in terms of what he has available to him. So they, the Chiefs drafted Cornell Powell out of Clemson. So he's probably going to play outside. So they have Cornell Powell, they have Miko Hardman, and they have Tyree Kill. What are What is one huge thing you notice about those three players? I'll tell you. They're all short. Cornell Powell is the tallest one at six foot. Miko Harmon and Tyree Kill are both 5'10. He has no big body target besides Travis Kelsey. And he's a tight end. That they can split out. Don't that's fair. That's fair. You can make that argument. They can split him out, but he doesn't have a big body target. They all have speed. Don't get me wrong. They're all fast and they can all cut hard. They run decent routes. They're not the best route runners, but they can run decent routes. But that's the thing we need to look at. We need to look at his size for his wide receivers this season. 
It's something to take a look at. Now, I'm. you may think that I'm nitpicking. I might be. But you got to look at something because this team has been basically Excalibur since Mahomes was drafted. They were making the playoffs every year, even before Mahomes was there with Alex Smith. And he got him over the hump and got him a Super Bowl and got him to another one. And they were a defensive offsides from being in three Super Bowls in a row. No thanks to D Ford. But we got to we're keeping an eye on Mahomes. He seems healthy. He's a great leader. It's a huge positive outlook for them. Now the one thing they may struggle with this year, which they seem to struggle with in the past few years is their defensive strength. So their defensive statistics have been in the 20s out of all 32 teams. They've been in the 20s for the past 3 seasons. Now, Frank Clark has this huge issue where he had guns in his car and might be indicted for charges. Frank Clark is their best defensive end pass rusher. And they were talking earlier in the offseason about moving Chris Jones outside. So if they move Chris Jones outside, they lose everything that he gives them inside. So if that's the case, I would leave Chris Jones in the middle. And figure out how to replace Frank Clark. Now we don't know what's going to happen with Frank Clark yet. He hasn't been indicted, but they found unregistered guns in his car. He's look. I thought I saw on the blogs I read earlier that he's looking at three to five years if convicted of a crime of the crime that he may or may not have committed. So three to five years, you, you get you got to cut him. He's getting twenty million. You got to cut him. I mean, if he's not guilty, let it play out a little bit. Like, don't cut him now. But if you if you figure out you you can't keep him, he's already an older player. He's he's taking up too much cap. You, you got to get rid of him. So you got to come up as Andy Reid and as the GM Brett Veach. You got to figure out how to replace that, whether it be with people already on the team or with a at least cheaper option, so you have more options down the line if injuries do come up. Their cornerbacks and their and their secondary minus Tyron Matthew are subpar. Now, ev- all this hype is on Legarius Sneed. I haven't seen anything that proves that Legarius Sneed is a top 100 player, although he made the top 100 list at cornerback that they drafted last season. So it's his sophomore season. I haven't seen anything in there that, that proves that Legarius Sneed is a top 100 player in the league. But Javarius Ward is awful at, at the other starting cornerback position. He's awful. My buddy, best friend, he's a huge Chiefs fan. He's like Steven Nelson. When Steven Nelson played for the Chiefs, he just gets owned on routes. And it can't happen because they already have Juan Thornhill at the other safety position, and he's hurt. So they might have to bring in Sorensen, who also plays on and off with Juan Thornhill, depending on what the defensive package is. But Tyron Matthew can't play every cornerback position and safety. So they better figure out what they're going to do. And their linebacking core minus Anthony Hitchens is also not that good. So their defensive front seven is probably, I would say, subpar, depending on what happens with Frank Clark. But their offense is so strong, and their offensive line has been bolstered so much in the offseason. They basically just picked up everybody they wanted in free agency or in the draft on offensive line. Like, like, let's run through some of these names. Like, Duvernay Tardif, their guard, the doctor, 
he was he was out for COVID last season. He was being a he was he's an actual doctor. He was helping out COVID during the COVID crisis. An amazing player. They got Kyle Long. He's hurt right now, but it, he was a great guard as well. They got Orlando Brown from the Ravens. Awesome starting tackle. Awesome. They got Joe Tooney from the Patriots. They got Mike Remmers, who's decent. They drafted Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. And they got Austin Blythe from the from the Rams. Like that, I just named eight names. There's not even eight offensive linemen. And all of them are amazing. So like Patrick Mahomes is going to be protected. And that was their main problem in that in that that loss to the to the Bucs in the Super Bowl. Was that he he was running for his life and still throwing passes that were up above average for being on the for basically being on the ground when he's throwing it or running 20 miles an hour to the sideline and then throwing it it's amazing so we'll keep an eye on that defense we're going to see what happens with the chiefs offense should be relatively solid if not better than last year my projection is the chiefs go 13 and 4 this season coming up 13 and 4 All right, moving on. We're going to the Denver Broncos. All right, so right now their current QB situation is a bit of an issue. Um, I don't think that the Broncos are going to go for Deshaun Watson, and I don't think they will go for Aaron Rodgers anymore, although I probably thought that two days ago. Uh, but Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, pick one. You going to go safe or are you going to go ballsy? Because Drew Locke is, throws interceptions like Phillip Rivers in his prime. Teddy Bridgewater, safe with the ball. Little bit injury prone. He's not going to have that huge arm going downfield. I would know. He played for the, my Minnesota Vikings. But I would start Teddy, and I would see how this goes. Because the Broncos made real improvements to their team. And Teddy is going to keep them at least solid and not be as dangerous as Drew Locke is with the football. Their secondary is pretty solid, and but most of them did not play for the team last season. So Patrick, they drafted Patrick Sertan in the first round. He's going to start at corner, guaranteed. They got Kyle Fuller, so Kyle Fuller is going to play. They got Justin Simmons, who's an all-pro safety in the back end. They got Kareem Jackson from Houston. He's going to he's playing next to Justin Simmons at safety. So one of them will play strong, one of them will play free. That's a solid back end. Solid back end. And Ronald Darby is a nickelback. That's a more than solid back end. And their front end, their front seven is pretty decent. And they lost some they lost a few people, but their front end is still pretty decent. At least enough to get them through games. So I don't think they're going to go with Teddy Bridgewater to start. I think they're going to start Drew Locke, but it depends on who they start depending on how the projection goes because Drew Locke, is, his upside is not as high and his ceiling is way lower than Teddy's. Way lower. So Drew Locke could get lucky and not throw picks for a few games, but he's going to throw them based on his the way he played last season. We'll see if he can change that in, on this offseason and see if he, they start him this year and we start looking at it. But we'll see how what, what happens in camp and depending on who they start. Will depend on what they how they do this season. Their running back room, their depth is pretty good. Melvin Gordon getting a little bit older. He's got an issue with holding onto the ball. I don't see him starting. Um, I see them starting the rookie Javante Williams from North Carolina. This guy's a beast. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's stocky, 
but he's strong. At 5'10", 220, he's strong. He's a strong kid, and he had a huge season last year for North Carolina during COVID. And before that, he was even better. So, Javante Williams is going to be good for them. And they also still have Royce Freeman from Oregon, and he did a lot at Oregon. And he's a great rusher, but who always been stuck behind either Phil Lindsay or Melvin Gordon, depending. So, I think their running back room and their depth is pretty good. Speed and pass catching is definitely going to be their their go to in the running back areas. So if Teddy's going to start, he's going to throw, he's going to dump off a lot of passes to these cats, and we'll see what happens. But I got the Broncos going seven and ten. I don't think they start Teddy, even though I think they should personally. So I think Drew Locke gets them into a situation they can't come up from. So I think the the Broncos are going to finish the season seven and ten. All right, we're moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert had an amazing season last year. I didn't get into watching college tape and and looking at scouting and anything until I was at least in my early 20s. So I've only been doing it for about seven years, looking at these, these prospects coming out of college. But I wasn't a huge fan of Justin Herbert. I was not a huge fan. I didn't think that he was going to translate well coming from Oregon in the in the system they were in and then coming into the NFL. However, he broke like almost every rookie record for quarterbacks this this past season. And I think I think he's going to play well this season. Uh, the only issue I have is that they they got rid of their coach, although the new coach their new coach, Brandon Staley, is probably going to be good for him, even though he's a defensive coach. He's a solid coach, though. And Justin Herbert seems like he can adapt well to change based on their season last season and Anthony Lynn making multiple bad calls to make them lose games. But it was not on Justin Herbert's back that they lost games. There's, there's no way. They picked up a lot of players in the draft and in free agency. They got Jared Cook. They got Corey Lindsley from the Packers to help on the offensive line. They got Chris Harris. They got Rashawn Slater uh, in the first round of the draft to help on that offensive line to make sure that Justin Herbert's protected, which they had the worst offensive line last season. So if he's protected a little bit more, who knows what could happen then? They also picked up Asante Samuel Jr. in the draft, which if you anybody knows Asante Samuel Asante Samuel Sr., he was a route run, a route jumper. He was a corner, he was a route jumper, and it seems like his son is less of that and and more equal in terms of cover and route jumping. So he's going to be good in a zone. They do play zone, so I think Asante Samuel is going to be able to work himself up into a starting role at some point. Probably could learn something from Chris Harris Jr., uh, one of a, probably a top five corner for the last three or four years in the league. So we'll see how that works out. But they still have offensive weapons that all came back, depending on if they can stay healthy or not. They got Austin Eckler at running back. He can pretty much do anything. Pass catching, running up the middle, he can take the workload, although they probably won't give him the workload because he's not as big as some of the other running backs on their depth chart. But Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is enough on the outside for them to be good. And Jalen Guyton, who came out of nowhere last season in fantasy, helped my fantasy team out a lot. Jalen Guyton is no joke. I didn't know anything about Jalen Guyton, nor do I even really know that much about him now, but just watching NFL primetime, 
last season with Boomer, uh, Jalen Guyton has run some pretty decent routes, and he is faster than they say he is. I think he ran like a four five eight at the combine two years ago. Jalen Guyton is a great wide receiver, and at a third wide receiver spot in the slot, he's going to do a lot of damage. I think the Chargers this season have a potential based on the fact that their offensive line has been bolstered. The coaching change is going to help with their defensive players. They got Joey Bosa, Derwin James, and Linval Joseph, one at each level. So you got Linville Joseph in the middle. You got Joey Bosa on the outside coming in to rush the passer. And you got Derwin James who can play linebacker or safety. So he's he's going to be good to go. He's been injured and he's been injury prone for the beginning of his career. But I think he's going to be good to go now. I think they're they're going to be solid. I got the Chargers going 11-6 and six this season. 11-6. and six, Coming in second place, getting a wild card spot in the AFC West. All right, last team, which will finish in the basement because I believe nothing in their coach, the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders have one problem. It's John Gruden. John Gruden is probably the best football announcer I've ever seen growing up. He's a great announcer, knows a lot about football, but he cannot coach an NFL football team. His draft picks don't work out. This year, they drafted an offensive lineman in the first round that's injury-prone, that doesn't play multiple positions. They've drafted corners in the past that have off-the-field issues. They're red flag guys. They drafted Henry Ruggs last season. It didn't work out. We'll see if Henry Ruggs can turn it around. John Gruden needs to be on a leash. You're pay, you, you signed him to a 10-year, $100 million contract. John Gruden needs to be on a leash, and you need to figure out a way to get out of that contract unless he can prove that he can win with Derek Carr, who is not the worst quarterback in the world, apparently, that everybody else thinks he is. Derek Carr is not a bad quarterback. He's had a bad coach, and he hasn't really had that much support. Like, he has rugs outside. He's, they picked up John Brown. John Brown's okay. You can put him outside. And Darren Waller this season. If they stay healthy and if they produce and John Gruden doesn't make stupid decisions, the Raiders would be okay. But I do not trust John Gruden. Their secondary is weak. They picked up Casey Hayward to play corner. He'll be good. Don't get me wrong. He'll be good. Trayvon Mullen is starting right now on their depth chart. Trayvon Mullen is not that good. Damon Arnett has been hurt since they drafted him from Ohio State. Also playing corner. You also got Jonathan Abram, who is not really a safety. He's more or less a a straight, I'm going to go for your head and hit you as hard as I can guy. So it's just like, it's like Derwin James without any cover skills. Their defense is not, they got Yannick Ndokwe. Yes, I understand that for their pass rush. But their, their linebackers aren't very good. Their defense wasn't very good last year, and they haven't really impre- they haven't really impressed me in anything they picked up in free agency or the draft. The Raiders are going to crumble, and it's not going to be at Derek Carr's feet. It's going to be at John Gruden's feet. Mike Mayock, the GM, had the, always had the best draft ideas that I've seen when I used to watch dr- coverage of the draft. Mike Mayock is the GM of that team, and he's letting John Gruden make crappy decisions. If I was Mike Mayock, I would sell John Gruden to go sit in his house and let Mayock run the draft. Because guess what? 
you're the GM. Tell the coach to figure it out and coach the players. It's it's the way I look at it is you got to get the most out of your older veteran players and you got to make sure that the younger players you draft develop and turn into good players. That's how you end up good in the NFL. You can't keep paying top dollar for all these free agents or every team would do it. You need to get solid players that are at the butt end of their career that are going to take less money and you got to get the rookies out of their rookie contracts. They got to perform. And John Gruden doesn't seem like he's done that very well. So the Raiders are going to tumble once again. I hope Derek Carr finds another team because he's better than that organization. And I've got the Raiders going 5 and 12 this season. 5 and 12. So we'll go through it one more time. We got the Chiefs going 13 and 4 winning the division. We got the Chargers going 11 and 6 coming in with the wild card spot. We got the Broncos going 7 and 10 and we got the Raiders going 5 and 12. That'll do it for this divisional recap. Appreciate all you guys for listening. If you have anybody who you think would enjoy the podcast, please share it with them via Facebook, uh, via word of mouth. Just if you if you like it, tell people about it. I enjoy doing it, and pretty soon we're right around the corner. Most of these teams are going to be coming into training camp either at the end of this week or early next week. So loved loved uh, this episode. Loved talking to you guys. Make sure that if you like the podcast, you let them let anybody you can know. And everybody have a good rest of your day. All right, peace.